I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices on Racism in the UK, the podcast that provides a platform for real people to share their untold stories. In this series, hear about the devastating long-term effects of racism in the UK. Some of these personal stories may be hard to hear, but it's absolutely vital that we air them in order to enact much-needed change. So please, share them with a friend. Let's get into today's episode. A quick heads up that this episode contains details of racist abuse and suicide, which could be upsetting to listen to. Please take care while you're listening. Today, we hear the damaging effects of racism in early life and how one man from Northern Ireland is bringing about change. I wanted to protect those who couldn't always protect themselves. I always had a big thing about what was right and what was wrong growing up and, and seeing others getting bullied at school, I would always be the person that would step forward. That's Andy George. He's a father of three. He's also served in the Northern Irish Police for more than two decades, working in a notoriously complicated environment. And I'm also president of the National Black Police Association, which represents every officer, staff member from a black or Asian background, other minority ethnic backgrounds across the United Kingdom. Andy is dedicated to speaking out when he sees injustice but he wasn't always able to. Grew up in a largely white environment. We were one of about three families from an ethnic background in the entire town. Andy's dad is from Malaysia. For Andy, growing up as a mixed race person in County Armagh in the 1980s wasn't easy. That's a kind of a supposed inner struggle that people from dual heritages and mixed races have. You know, because for me, I'm very much, I see myself as Northern Irish, but others judge me off, off how I look. Andy has experienced a lot of racist abuse throughout his life, but there's one incident that left a lasting impact. It's like the first time I ever experienced racism, I was only six years old. Andy's older cousin took him to the circus for the first time. Six-year-old Andy was fun-loving, confident and outgoing. I was excited, I was thrilled to be there, you know, and, and thrilled to get going. When the circus clowns asked for kids to volunteer, Andy quickly threw his hand up and proceeded to be invited on stage with two other kids. The clowns asked the children their names in turn. Meanwhile, the audience inside the big top, a couple of hundred people, clapped and cheered. Then it come to me and there was this kind of pregnant pause. The clown leaned down, asked what my name was, and I obviously replied Andy. And next thing he kind of stood up, again another bit of a pause, a couple of seconds, and all of a sudden he announced to everybody that this is sausage. Everybody, this is sausage. Little Andy was confused. Why did the clown call him that? The audience erupted into laughter. Mean, cold laughter from people who should have known better. Andy didn't get the so-called joke. Time seemed to slow down. And then it dawned on me that I was being called sausage because sausages are brown and so am I. And I think that was probably the first time that I ever noticed that I was different to everybody else. That awful moment on stage at the circus is the first time Andy was made to feel different. I felt, you know, like tiny. So I did, I felt like the whole big top was closing in on me. You know, the heart beating like mad, almost wanting to run off. So I did, that, that was my immediate feeling. I want to get out of here. You know, I want to leave. The kids were supposed to do forward roles. Andy was overwhelmed with a feeling of, let's just get this over with and not draw attention to myself. I had to finish the performance, do what I had to do, and then afterwards get in. And, you know, it was kind of almost fight back the tears and not let on that it was annoying me. 
I think if I'm honest, that probably had a real profound impact on me. You know, I had issues around confidence after that. I had issues around public speaking. I probably held back quite a bit as well because I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to be, you know, kind of, I suppose, in the limelight again like that. That impulse to not stand out, it stayed with Andy. Even longer term, I think that's, that's the effect it had afterwards. I was always trying to blend in, always trying to be, you know, give up probably part of myself just to do that. It's important to remember, this was Northern Ireland in the mid-1980s, a time of sectarian violence and terrorist attacks. Over 3,500 people were killed in the conflict. There was a deep divide in society. I don't think anybody was really, you know, immune from it or anybody wasn't fully touched by the, the violence that was going on then. And Andy says there's a clear link between sectarianism and racism. For him, the discrimination continued throughout school. All of the things that I got at growing up is where are you from and then where are you really from? And I'm like, I'm really from Northern Ireland. What racism and racist abuse a lot of the time is telling you is that you have no place in this society at all. You should go home, you don't belong here. All of these things that that people like me have been told numerous times throughout my life. Like the time at the circus, this kind of treatment made Andy want to blend into the background. I used to have people waiting outside at school whenever I was younger. In my primary school, waiting to beat me up. So I did just because of the colour of my skin. I had been into any town. It was literally people would laugh and sneer and point because, as I said, there was nobody that looked like me really in the entire town. As he moved through his school years, though, Andy gained confidence. He played rugby and football. And gradually, he started to fight back and defend himself from the bullies. Even in school, I remember one particular incident in school where I got beaten up by three guys. They started attacking me. Thankfully, I was a bit bigger than everybody else at that stage and could handle myself reasonably well, so I was fending them off and stuff. But Andy was the one who was sent to the principal's office and banned from football practice. Luckily, the vice principal saw what had really happened. He came to Andy's defence even shouting at the principal. And he come back out afterwards and he says, go and get your football kit on and get out there now, um, you're playing. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's the best match I'd ever played in my life. Andy would also intervene when he saw other kids getting bullied at school. He'd make the bullies apologize. I always had a big thing about what was right and what was wrong growing up and, and seeing others getting bullied at school, I would always be the person that would step forward. Experiences like these were part of what motivated Andy to become a police officer. It allowed me to be in a position to, to kind of help others. And, you know, most police officers join because that's what they want to do. They want to, to kind of protect the vulnerable and, and reach out and help others. Andy is modest about his impressive rise through the ranks. He joined the force in 1999 and went on to spend 10 years in the armed response unit, a notoriously tough job dealing with both knife and gun crime across Northern Ireland. He then made the fast track from constable to detective inspector. Andy has been highly commended twice and has won numerous awards. All this despite regularly facing racist abuse and racial comments. What I found throughout my life is that people judge me off the way I look and what they see initially is the difference. And once they get to know me and once they're exposed to me, the majority of people actually start to see a similarity. Andy wasn't the only one in his family to experience racism. Andy's sister, the youngest of four, was subjected to abuse at different times in her life. The way she kind of, I suppose, coped with it was she would start 
calling herself the N-word and the P-word and stuff. She would call herself names just to deal with it. All she wanted to do was be loved and accepted by everybody. You know, she, she loved animals. She loved everybody else. She would go out of her way for people that she cared about. You know, she was really good that way. But she just, you know, with racism, she just, it was that confusion, that bit where, why am I not good enough? She ended up with, you know, alcohol and, and some drug abuse and stuff as well. Andy and his sister lived near each other as well as near their parents' house. They were all incredibly close. She'd always come to my house. She'd actually ring mum and dad first and ask what they were having for dinner and then ring and ask what I was having for dinner and then decide where she was going to go, depending on who had the better dinner. No one had heard from Andy's sister in a few days when the family started to get really worried. Andy drove to her house. When I went round, I was knocking the door, checking the windows and stuff, and then I looked in the letterbox and she was in the hall. So it was me that found her, unfortunately, and then it was kind of obviously just devastating. Andy was 31 when his sister passed away. Why should people really feel like taking their own life just because of who they are and because of the, the content of melanin in their skin? It's ridiculous that people actually get to the point where, where they don't feel they belong, that they have such deep mental health issues because of, because of racism. The awful tragedy was one of the reasons why Andy first joined the National Black Police Association back in 2016. The organisation works to protect the rights of ethnic minority officers across the UK. In October 2020, Andy was elected president of the organisation. I could use my position to help others and there's no point in my sister having taken her own life and some of the experiences I've had if I don't try to make things better for the next generation, for my kids and, and for others. These days, Andy is anything but a wallflower. Not only did he stand out from the crowd, he now stands up for people every day. Andy has clearly been on a distressing journey regarding his race, being subjected to cruel taunting, horrendous attacks and emotional distress caused by watching his loved ones suffer. Through it all, he's fought the injustice not just for himself, his family and friends, but also for those in his community. He's helping the little Andys from different backgrounds that can't defend themselves to make sure that they don't experience the horrors that he has had to experience. In supporting, defending and inspiring all these people, he's helping the six-year-old fun-loving Andy, the teenage Andy and the adult police officer Andy that still lives inside him and providing them with the comfort and solace they so desperately yearn for. It's about giving them the peace within. The Andes of the world need to be supported by systemic change and people interrogating their own racial biases. These are the people who will turn the tide on racial inequality. These people are the reasons why we do the Our Voices podcast. These are the voices of people that don't have the platform to say what really needs to be said. We're incredibly grateful to have the opportunity to amplify their voices to the masses to enact the change that we all want to see in society and the world at large. If you or a loved one have been affected by any aspects of today's episode, there are some fantastic resources available, including www.thecalmzone.net, www.mind.org.uk and www.samaritans.org, to name just a few.
If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week. Thanks so much for listening. Now you probably know I'm looking to grow this show. Since you're here, I'm guessing you're a fan, but you might not know how to help. Here's how. One, tap follow wherever you're listening. Two, give it a five-star review on your podcast app. This helps more people discover the show. Three, send this episode to one person. They'll thank you for it later. I really appreciate your help. See you on the next one.